Never has there been a more crucial time in the history of mankind. The kingdom of darkness has done its best to disrupt governments, enslave societies, and hinder the saints. Circling the globe, however, are mighty men and women carrying the weapons of God to undo the power of Satan, preparing people for the return of Jesus Christ. Evangelist Chris Palmer is one of these soldiers. As he carries out his itinerant, join God's man of faith and power while he contends for the faith once delivered to the saints. Your life will be changed as you learn the walk of the Spirit and the walk of power in On the Road with Chris Palmer. Somebody had to develop a prototype. They had to perfect this thing and make sure that it worked exactly right to the specifications that they modified it by. And when the prototype had its exact perfection, they modified it and they began to mass produce it to look like the prototype. And Jesus Christ was the divine prototype. Are you here, church? And all of a sudden, when Jesus came, he came that you might have life, which means that when you are born again, you receive his life. It comes through faith. You receive or regeneration you receive his genome and you come out of the loins of god and you are now a product of the prototype are you here at church i'm a product of jesus a product of the prototype i no longer am of my father the devil i'm from the loins of god i have been risen with jesus i died the death that he died and i'm going to live the life that he lived you ought to be excited about that church are you excited that means if we died with him we are going to live with him I'm born again. I died when I was born of Adam. I came into the earth spiritually dead. My spirit man was no longer living. It was separated from God. But I got born again, and I now live unto Jesus. I'm so excited about that. That's called being born again. And here is, the, here is here, I say that 10 minutes of speech to tell you this tonight, that your life as a believer does not begin with the robes of religion. Religion is dressing the outer man with what God has designed for you to dress the inner man with. We want to try to get close to God so we come to church without makeup. We want to try to get close to God so we don't eat meat on Fridays. We want to try to get close to God so we observe rituals. We want to try to get close to God so we do asceticism, which means that, see, here's the thing. First, people try to deny their flesh a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to eat. I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to do all these crazy things to try and access God. And when you have fun, you take people take vows of silence. They take vows of poverty. They give penance. They do all sorts of things to try and access God in a state of religion. And when they finally reach the end of that, they get into something called asceticism where they're no longer denying their flesh, where they're torturing the flesh. They will fall on glass shards. They'll cut themselves. They will stay up all night. They will try and hold their breath underwater. There are a lot of things that religions practice and they're trying to reach God. And it is religion. And because they are clothing the outer man with what the inner man was designed to be clothed with you cannot reach god with this body it is dead it belongs to god it was purchased it's been sanctified it becomes his property but it is always decaying but true spirituality inside of christ true godliness means that you access god now with your inner man 
You can't access God with this man right here. Don't think that you getting on your knees or walking or pacing the room makes any difference to God. It doesn't matter if you pray upside down or if you pray on a Ferris wheel or if you're praying on a roller coaster. It doesn't matter if you go to the bottom of the ocean or climb Mount Everest to pray. He doesn't care what position your outer man is. He only cares what position your inner man is at because this born-again life starts from within. Are you here? And we have tried, the church of the living God have, try, have brought youth group students in and have tried to appease those kids and play to their flesh and their soulish emotions to try and teach them to learn God. And you know what we're starting to see now? The youth pastors that came up in the 90s that try to show these kids their way to God would say and come in and have the kids play a whole bunch of games and then they would have loud rock and roll music and loud rap music and they would have all sorts of fun and lights and smoke and cool powerpoints and skits and dramas but if they never ever touched the spirit of that child if they never got to the inner man they start finding out that those kids will wear away from what they were presented because they never touched the spirit you can find big churches that have appealed to your soul Churches that base their congregations around having fellowship and eating pie and having softball games and potluck suppers and coming in and having nice rock and roll music. And guess what you're doing? You are appealing to man's desire to want a fellowship. Man's desire to be want to entertain. Man, entertain. Man's desire to want to have fun and excitement. But guess what? That's not the spirit man's desire. And when these people leave, they've had fun in church. But guess what they haven't done? They haven't been able to connect with God. That's why they go out on our carnal. That's why they can't get out of the vortexes of sin. Why? Because their inner man has not accessed God Almighty. Because they don't have a pastor that has a revelation of this man, the hidden man of the heart. This hidden man of the heart has been buried under layers of flesh. It is it is encased inside of this man right here, and it possesses a soul. And unbeknownst to people, this flesh man is the first one that demands attention. And this soul is the second that demands attention. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he gets past this flesh, and he denies the soul, and he starts working with your hidden man of the heart. Because that's the real you. And that's the you that has received the genome of God. And though death is working in my flesh, he is working in my spirit. Can't that water, Pastor. You know, I just have to keep on opening up these waters. You know what I'm going to do? Next time I come into church, you're going to see me wearing one of those helmets that have the straws on it full of water. <laughs> that way I just had to go. Listen, there's one girl, she told me, she, was, she got full of the Holy Ghost, she got born again, she got saved, she's full of the Spirit, she had an awesome testimony, lived a life of drugs and alcohol, suicide, promiscuousness, she was about to kill herself, the Lord spoke to her, she heard an audible voice from God, a few days later she had a dream, Jesus appeared to her in a dream, touched her with his finger, she woke up, she was totally delivered from alcohol, suicide, depression, see God will, God will visit you in your dreams. 
if he knows your heart is crying out for something and your mind is not allowing you access into that and your chains are enough where you can't really reach out to God, God will come in your dream. And when everything's quiet, he'll show up and deliver you because he knows your heart will receive it. Amen. Someone was praying for that girl. Well, anyway, she got so full of the Spirit of God, she ended up finding this youth group that was by her house. And this youth group, you know, they needed leadership, and she became a part of the leadership. But guess what? The leadership was carnal, and she was full of the Spirit. And so she started preaching the power of the Holy Ghost. She was praying in tongues and speaking the Word of God, and people were getting delivered and set free. And this youth group got mad at her because she was too, quote, unquote, churchy. We know we don't want you to be so churchy here. They said we don't want you to be so churchy here. Excuse me, I'm spitting. That's just what preachers do. We spit, amen. We grunt and spit, and after services we go eat in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and stay up all night. So she was being churchy. I said, well, you know, I guess that comes with being the Holy Ghost filled. See, there's a difference. See, what they're calling is churchy. She, this, see, see, she's she's being spiritual, and they're being carnal. They're being carnally minded, and she's being spiritually minded, and they don't like it because if they want to stay carnally minded, she might lead a revolt and get spiritually minded people to follow her. She could start her own youth group. Amen. Anyway. So you begin, when Paul says, set your mind on things above or set your affections on things above, he's talking about you being born again. That's where the life starts. That's where you access the supernatural out of your spirit. And this is where Colossians 3 picks up. Now, this is what I've been trying to get to all night. And you have put on the new man. Now, I just told you what the new man was. That's the spirit of man, which is renewed, which is renewed. Another way of saying renewed is refreshed, which grows. In knowledge, in knowledge, in knowledge, in knowledge, in knowledge. Now, this is an interesting concept. Your inner man grows in knowledge. So your inner man is not going to develop the way that it has the ability, the way God has called your inner man to grow if it is not being fed with knowledge. She's getting it over here. I'm going to come back over here. Two things I want to say about this. Number one, if your inner man can receive knowledge, then deductive reasoning says that your inner man has a mind. What do you mean, Brother Palmer? I'm not talking about your carnal mind. I'm talking about a spiritual mind that your inner man possesses. We talked about this Yesterday morning or yesterday night, how you have fingers as a spirit, you have a tongue as a spirit, and you have a mind as a spirit. And so this book right here, oh, it was going to get good tonight. I'm going to really open up some mysteries for you. This is going to, trust me, you're going to get some stuff tonight. This book right here has not been written and given to you to apply to this brain. It has, it, it can, this, the carnal man cannot receive what is written in here. That's why they at ISU cannot receive this. Why Harvard can't get it. Why they can pick it apart at University of Illinois. But it's not, it's getting in here and it's just concepts. But it is not getting into the mind of the spirit. Not getting into that mind of the Spirit. Because they haven't accessed that mind because they're not born again. 
Where is the knowledge coming from? If you have to receive the knowledge, who's teaching it to you? There you go. You are a spirit being that has a mind. And over here, you have the knowledge which is encoded inside of this book. But God knows and the Jews know and knew that nothing could be done without mentorship. Apprenticeship. The Jews didn't have, they had rabbinical schools, but when they were taught the basics, if they wanted to enter in to the depths and the practice of what they've been taught, they were picked by rabbis. Oh, Jesus, you're not hearing me right now. How many Jews were overlooked? How many Jews were not picked by rabbis? The disciples were not picked until Jesus came along. But here's the thing. When you were in the world, when you were not born again, the Jews were overlooked and weren't picked by rabbis. When the Holy Ghost came, he picked everybody to be his teacher and to be his student. He left nobody out. Everybody can be in a personal apprenticeship with the Holy Ghost. He wants your mind and your mind and my mind. He's after your mind. The divine mind of God. Infinite intelligence. A big brain, if you will. Are you saying God is a brain? He's a light that no man can approach. I've already taught that. Is he in a body? The bodily form of God is Jesus. When you get to heaven, he's going to come out of that glorified light, that lightning, that big cloud, that thundering. You'll hear sounds like you've never heard, and right from it will come Jesus as your representative. Infinite intelligence has sent down to you the Holy Ghost in the divine mind. Is trying, it is trying to get a hold of you, my, your mind to take this knowledge and reveal it to it. Does that make sense tonight? If I stopped there, I could say we had church. See, I'm going to give you, I, know I could get up here and preach on all things are possible and and we can shout and have fun, but I'm going to give you something to think about tonight. Now watch this. Watch this. <sighs> this is good. I'm a... Watch this. Come on in, sister. The water is warm. <laughs> Just getting warm. There is a mechanism inside of you. That God is jealous over. There is something inside of you that God is deliberate about you giving him. He doesn't play. You know what I mean by that? When I was a kid, my mom bought me this G.I. Joe that I've been wanting for a long It was one of those G.I. Joes that... You can't find all the time at Target. I mean, it was one that they would produce a whole bunch of Cobra Commanders, a whole bunch of Snake Eyes. You get what I'm saying? A whole bunch of... But this one G.I. Joe, his name was Heavy Duty. He was my favorite. You couldn't find him everywhere. 
so I found him at Target. I was, every time my mom would go to Target, I'd see all the same one. I'd see all the Dukes. I'd see all this one, but I would never see Heavy Duty. And all of a sudden, I remember I went to Target, and there was one laying on the corner, and I got it, and my mom bought it for me. And let me tell you something. If I ever saw my brother playing with that, I went over there and tried my best to tackle him to the ground because this was a very special G.I. Joe, and I ain't playing. Don't touch it! You might break his leg off. You might break his hip off. Don't touch it. He's over here playing like it's nothing wrong with shit. And I said, see, what I was trying to tell my brother is that you can play with all the other G.I. Joes, but this one is sanctified for me. It's set apart for me. It's mine. I'm jealous over it. You should share your toys. You can take, you see all these other toys, play with them all, rip them apart. I don't care. Burn them. Pour gas on them. Time to fireworks and let them explode, but don't touch this one. It's mine. Guess what? There's something in you that God is jealous over. He guards it. He doesn't want anybody touching it. He plays man-to-man defense on it. He doesn't want anybody messing with it. And I got news to you. That's the exact thing that the devil is after. Because it is so valuable. What is this thing? It is The mind of your spirit. Why can't you get healed? Because the mind of your spirit doesn't see it yet. Why don't you have faith? Because the mind of your spirit doesn't see it. Why are you still broke? Because it hasn't been revealed to the mind of your heart. That you can be rich in Christ. That you can get out of debt. I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Of course you don't. Your spiritual mind hasn't seen it. Why would I? I I'm not, someone comes to me and says, I don't like what you teach about this prosperity stuff and this healing stuff. I'm not going to argue with you. I know that you just need a touch in the mind of your heart. Whew. Are you here tonight? And he's after it, and God says, he's trying to get to it. But here's the thing. Here's, here's why. Here's why when God got a hold of me, and he started teaching me my ministry. I have a disadvantage as a preacher. I could take my books in on a flatbed truck, drive that truck to the church, wheel that truck, bam, back it up, beep. Beep, beep, beep. You all could take the forklift, go up to that truck, the high-low, get all the books and tapes on it, and cart them in the service, and set a whole library and wall of books and tapes on the back. And then I can get up here and hash them off and give them to you and give them to me, and you read every single book and have a Chris Palmer book and tape collection. But here's the disadvantage. If the Holy Ghost doesn't reveal it to you, it'll never get into your minds of the Spirit. I can tell you about Jesus. I can give to you the revelation that he's given me. I can shout about him till I'm blue in the face. But unless the tutor comes alongside of you and reveals it to your mind, you're never going to get it. So my job is not about to give to you what I have seen beyond the veil of the natural. I can tell you about it and let you know, hey, I've been past the veil. There is spiritual stuff that exists. That's like a fish that's swimming around logs with all his other fish buddies. 
And every day they meet up at the log. What did you do today? I ate a grasshopper. What did you do today? I ate a perch. What did you do today? I prayed on a school of bait fish. And then they meet up the next day. What did you do today? I ran into a duck. What did you do today? I ate a worm. What did you do today? Well, I went to eat this leech and I started getting pulled. And all of a sudden, that, that veil that we see when we look up, I went past it. I ended up in some type of aluminum encasement. And this thing that had two hands and two eyes started looking at me. They grabbed me by the mouth and they put this funny thing in front of me and pressed the button and it made a flash. Then they dropped me back and I landed back here. Use your imagination, please. They all think this guy's crazy. This poor fish. He's now the crazy one. Because he's talking about life past the veil. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, we're just fish coming to and fro, talking about the worms that we hate, and there is another dimension that exists out there, and the Holy Ghost has his bait out there, and is trying to get you to take it so he can pull you up and show you what exists. And in that dimension is your healing. In that dimension is your purpose and is the power that you need to carry on. But unless the Holy Ghost takes you there, it's not going to be a real deal. It was great being with you. Have a good night. No, I'm just playing. You have a mind in your spirit, and God is jealous over it. How long have I been preaching for? All right. Now watch this. How does the Holy Spirit communicate to your mind the revelation that is beyond the veil? I'll show you how he does it. You have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. This is the living word of God, Pastor. Page is falling on the ground. This is probably my last trip with this Bible. Amen. I was trying to read this Bible this afternoon in my hotel and pages were falling out. I said, it's done. I'm going to bury this one once and for all. Amen. Now, this is the word of God. Am I right? Is this the word of God? Is it the word of God? Is it? How about this? Let's say it's the word of God. How about we call it this now? Let's call it, this is the image of God. What do you mean by that, Brother Palmer? All right, everybody stop taking notes for a second. I'm going to do a little test on you. Ready? Cat. What did you think of? You thought of a mouse? You thought of a mouse. Okay, you thought of a mouse. When you thought of a mouse, what did you think of? What did you see? What did you see in your head? What did you see in your head? No, ch chasing a mouse. You saw it. Okay. Did you see? Okay. 
All right, think about this. Dog. You saw, what did you see? A dog. You saw a dog. Did you see a dog or did you see D-O-G? You saw a dog. Okay. Uh, America. What do you see? Fireworks. Uncle Sam. President Obama. You know, you see whatever you want. Whatever your pictures, you're America. But what you didn't see was A-M-E-R-I-C-A. You saw an image. Here's why. Words are vessels that carry images. I have an image in me. Pastor has an image in him. You have an image in you. You have an image in you. And when I want to take this image that's in me and get this image from me and get it over to you, I have to use something called words to do it. Y'all got your first love letter ever? You know, you were in sixth grade. I remember I was in sixth grade. I got my first love letter from Tiffany. She slid it to me in the hallway. We were in a single file line. The teacher turned her back, and she made her way up to the front, and she put it in my hand like she was trying to give me a tip. And she looked at me and kind of smiled like this and walked back to the line. And I remember I had my hands were sweaty, and I walked back to my desk. And I, you know what you do when you have a note in class? Suddenly you have to use the bathroom. And I raised my hand when we got to class. I said, can I use the bathroom? Sure, Chris. Sign the hall pass and leave. And I went into the stall like James Bond and shut the door. And unrolled that. My hands were shaking. And all of a sudden I started saying, Dear Chris, I noticed you were eating jello for lunch. And the way that you lifted it to your mouth was so cute. And I saw you playing basketball. And I saw you shoot that three-point shot. And even though you airballed, you're still my strong man. I can't help but notice those Converse All-Stars you're wearing. Boy, I sure like the way that you tie them. shaking. This could be my first girlfriend ever. I read that letter three or four, five, six times. I kept folding it. I folded it back and forth so much that the pages were starting to get, I mean, the note was starting to break into pieces. I still wish I still had it, but we didn't get married. It ended that sixth grade romance. It was a blip in time. But what was she doing? The words that were on that note carried the image of what was in her and transferred it to me. There was no power in her word. There was only power in her image. And unless I connected with that image, I would never see face to face and eye to eye with her. Our minds would not be on the same plane. And the word of God that you hold in your hand only has power when the image has been accessed from it. Are you hearing me tonight? Is there really power in the English or the Spanish or the Bulgarian or the Mexican or whatever's in here? Or is there power when the image that is in here comes out of here and gets inside of your heart? So what the Holy Ghost does is when you're reading this word, he comes alive and begins to pull the image that's inside of here. And he begins to place it inside of the mind of your spirit. So your spirit sees that image and it can grow. 
Here we are trying to learn verses and are not getting the image out of the verse. We're quoting scripture, but we have no image. We're trying to worship based upon what it says, but we can't see what it means. And when you only know the words, you are stuck in religion. And you are taking the words and trying to trust the outer man with the words because the outer man is the casement that the inner man is hiding. I know it's loud in here, but I was a repressed pressed child. I can scream, amen. I was a younger brother. Religion focuses on the outer encasement, which is the word. All right, that's why Paul said that the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Picture a pill. You know what I do with medicine? I hate swallowing pills. So if my mom used to give me a little pill when she wasn't looking, I'd pull it off, pull the pill apart. The powder was in there, and I'd tell my hands are bleeding. Can I have a cough? And I would take the pill, and I would pour it in water, and I'd drink the water. Right? Anybody ever done that before? Can I have a napkin? Can I have a napkin? I got blood on my hand. I preach it. My hands are bleeding. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's the stigmata. No, I'm just playing. Why is that? If we pray for people, I'll wash my hands before I amen. And she's like, please, Jesus, don't please do that. Now listen. <coughs> because people that focus only on the words are people that would take a pill and think that the little plastic casement is going to heal them. And there's no power in that plastic casement. There's power in what's inside the plastic casement. The medicine is inside. When you focus only on the words, you are focusing on the outer thing. And that has no power to transform. But when you focus on what's in, what is inside the word is what is a component called spirit. Are you here? Are you here tonight? The Spirit gives life. I'll say it like this. Because the Spirit doesn't really communicate in words. He does if, he, if you, have no, you have no understanding of how your spiritual mind works. He might speak to you in English once or twice to get your attention. But he's not going to do that all the time. What he's going to do is he's going to flash an image to you and an image to me. And you're praying in the Holy Ghost and an image flashes before you. And your mind's eye sees it. So this is what he said. This is how we can translate it. Knowing that the Spirit communicates with images, this is what we can say. The Word itself, the outer encasement, it will kill but what's inside of it, what's the spirit breeds, an image that's going to give you life and be health to your flesh and produce the change that you are looking for. Whew. Am I preaching too deep for the church tonight? He's like, no. Once it was like, uh -huh, when are we having cake? No, I'm playing. <laughs> It, see, see that, that's, why, that's, that, that's why when someone comes in the service and, 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 and they come, that's why you have a healing line of 15 people lined up like this. 
And I said, I'm going to lay hands on people. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to pray and declare healing. You got one person over here that represents all the people that are ruined to receive. You come up to that person and you lay hands on them. And it's like a volt of electricity goes through your hand into that person. The power of God hits them. Why? Because their spiritual mind is connected with what you're saying. And they receive their healing. But then you have someone that comes up here and for whatever reason, they're just like this. And you come to pray for them. They look at you like this. And you touch them and they just stare at you. Whether you receive, I don't know. And they walk back to service. How was church? It was weird. Cool. <laughs> something, something has not been given to their spiritual man, and that is the spirit. They haven't received it yet. Okay, watch this. Let's talk about how it applies to Christian service, Pastor. You get somebody that gets the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost begins to fill them with the heart of God, and they begin to get an image of souls going to hell. They start getting the image of sick people and how they can be healed, and guess what it produces them? It produces them drive. So it's not the pastor's word motivating them to go and tell people about Jesus. It's the image of the heart of God that's causing them to go out and tell people about Jesus and tell them to get saved. So evangelism strategy in a church is not wrangling up a bunch of pe a few people and telling them to go out there and win people to Jesus because that's what we're supposed to do. All you have to do is get a hold of the heart of God for lost and dying and hurting humanity. And the people will have a drive of their own to tell people about Jesus. Now, watch. Watch this. I said this statement to you before. God is jealous over your spirit's mind. Because whatever gets a hold of it will ultimately determine who you become. Whoever is in possession of your spirit's mind will determine the kind of person you are. Your spiritual mind is what accesses you into the realm of the spirit. That's why when that mind is given over to lust, you become lustful. Anger, you become anger. Gossip, you become a gossip. Now, God knew this even in the Old Testament days, and he had to be even extra careful in the Old Testament days because their spiritual mind was only corrupt because they could not be born again back in those days. Are you here, church? They had enough to deal with on the fact that Jesus had not come and the work had not yet been done. That's why God told Abraham, I will count those things that be not as though they were. I will count you as righteous even though you're not righteous for the sake of bringing the Messiah into the world. Well, he was righteous. God counted him as righteous. It was just as though he was righteous. That's why he ended up in paradise because God had mercy on him because the work had not yet been done. So God was fair and dealt fairly with him. And when we receive and have the faith of Abraham and believe that God can raise up the dead, we receive the same reward that Abraham had counted to him. And that is right standing with God. Are you here tonight? That's a whole teaching on the righteousness of Jesus. 
the righteousness that we received. The blessing of Abraham is righteousness, and righteousness disqualifies you from having to live sick. It disqualifies you from having to live broke. The blessing of Abraham is the righteousness of God. Yes, it's righteousness. It's not just prosperity, because if it was prosperity, it would disinclude healing. It is everything that comes as a result of righteousness. Well, what's the curse of the law? The curse of the law is not sickness. It includes sickness. It's not disease. It includes disease. The curse of the law is the fact that the law was given to you and, or mankind, and mankind could not keep it because he was not born again. People wanted to go back under the law. If you're going back under the law, guess what? You're taking your dead nature with you. Because the new man has not been married to the law. The new man has been married to Jesus because the only thing that can cancel out a marriage contract is death. And that's why the old man died and the new man became alive in him. Are you here, church? And your new man became alive and God says, oh, see, the old man died and it canceled out the marriage contract. But you're a new man. You're not that old man that died. And because of that, you're free to marry who you want. And you're free to marry Jesus. And because you marry Jesus and are alive with him, guess what? You're not obligated to keep that law. You're free from it. But people get set free from the law through death. And guess what they do? They get married to Jesus and they want to go back and start having an affair with the law. What does that say about the blood of Jesus? Now, are you here, church? I'm teaching tonight. He was so concerned for those Old Testament saints concerning the eye or the mind. I say eye, I mean mind. It's the same thing. Of their spirit. He told that church, do not Make any image before me. Think about what this meant. Knowing that you would be the only nation that ever walked the face of the earth at that time that did not have a God that had an image. The Moabites had one. The Jebusites had one. The Canaanites had one. The Mosquito Bites had one. No, I'm just playing. Philistines had one. They all had one. They would come before it and they would worship it. Psalm 115 says that they began to worship these idols and they began to actually look like the idols that they worshipped. You ever see people that are taken in a particular type of sin, and you can always tell who are those that are here. You know, an angry person has that angry look about them all the time. You ever, you know, uh, maybe it takes a discerning person. You can all, a gossiper has a certain look about them. You just know you're with a gossiper. You ever notice a liar has a certain look about them? You know you're with a liar. I didn't know that. Well, you need more discernment. I'm playing. But he told Israel, don't you dare make any image. Don't do it. Why did he say that? 
He was protecting the mind of their spirit. And he was guarding it. And guess what he gave them instead? A tabernacle and his presence. But this is what he did instead. He didn't want them worshiping any type of image because in just several thousands of years when the prophecy had become fulfilled, he would not send to mankind a gold statue that couldn't talk. He didn't send to mankind a half fish, half idol, half man named Dagon. He didn't send to them a half calf, half man named Moloch. He didn't send to them a cow named Baal. He said, I'm going to do a little bit better than gold, and I'm going to do a little bit better than silver. I'm going to find the logos. I'm going to prepare myself a flesh and bone and blood and hair and sinew body that is made up of living organ, living, living atoms and living molecules and I am going to come and show myself in the image of a man and when I come in the image of the man I'm going to have my spirit which is God I'll be 100% man and I'll be 100% God and when I show up and can talk to them and walk with them like then then they can bow down and worship me because they'll know that I am he and it wasn't until Jesus came that Israel had their image that they could fall down and worship. Are you here, church? That's a good teaching. Why? Because he wanted Jesus to be inside the mind of their spirit. So we know what happened. Jesus walked the earth 33 years. He was died on the cross. He was buried. He was crucified. And then he came back. And for 40 days he walked around and he showed himself to 500 witnesses and testified that he lived and gave many infallible proofs that he is indeed alive. And those witnesses took the image of Jesus and began to transfer that as living witnesses to people that he is alive and that he lives. Here's the thing now. When you're born again and you have an encounter with Jesus, something transpires in the mind of your spirit, and you get an image of Jesus. And the more and more that you spend time meditating on the image of Christ that's in you, meditating on the image of God, meditating on Christ, meditating on the image of Jesus within you, the bigger and more specific and more alive the image of Christ is going to be. And guess what? That mind is going to start getting bigger within you. It's going to start expanding inside of you. And guess what? You are going to take that image that you receive in your time of meditation and you are going to have a worship life because when you start worshiping you go and lift your hands before God inside a church guess what you are now are worshiping the image that you see that the Holy Ghost has downloaded inside the mind of your spirit 
That's why you walk into a church, and if it's dead and there's no worshiping going on, that just tells me that the people have no image of Christ inside their inner man. But when people come inside of a church service, and before the piano player can even get on the keys and start playing, people start worshiping and start jumping and are getting excited, and people start tearing up and get on their face and fall prostrate for poor God. Guess what they're doing? They have an image that they see clearly in their offering that worship to that image. And that image that they have starts showing up. Music can only take you so far. Sounds and melodies can only take you so far. But the image can keep on getting bigger and keep on taking you farther and farther and farther and farther. And the more you get to add to that image, the more renewed you are. The more you begin to piece that image together, the stronger and more convinced you become. The more of a witness you'll be. A witness is only a witness by image. There was a fire that happened down the street over here on 55 off the freeway, and I didn't see it. Guess what? I have no picture of it, and I can't stand in a court and be called a witness of it. I'm no good. I'm of no value. I didn't see it. I don't have an image to talk to you about. Well, I want to be a witness. Get an image of him first. See him in the mind of your spirit. We're going to go out and witness and testify of Jesus. Did anybody get saved? No, but we're doing the Lord's work. And God's sitting up there thinking, why waste your time? Just go and eat at Cracker Barrel. Just go and eat at Old Country Buffet. Stop going around thinking that knocking on oak doors is pleasing me. Give me someone that wants an image. He sees a church that can start having the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? What is it? It's the infinite intelligence. Do you see what I see, says God? Do you know what I know about myself? I'm trying to get it into you. Here's the mind of God. This big, gigantic mind full of all knowledge and everything that shall and was and is. And here you are, this little tiny pea brain brain like this big right here. And when there's a transfer from this to this, from this to this, how does it come to you? Does it come through English? Does it come through Spanish? It comes in image form. I got an image. Shook, I got an image. Poof, I got an image. Poof, I got an image. And you start realizing where are all these images coming from? Where are all these things from the word coming from? Oh my God, there's a real living mind. And you know what will start happening when you get filled with the Holy Ghost? You can't get away from that mind. It starts chasing you around and it starts shooting at you images. And you're trying to escape that mind and it starts shooting images to you. And you can't get away from that. And you start seeing yourself healed. You start seeing yourself more than a conqueror. You start seeing yourself laying hands on the sick. When the devil tries to torment you and yell and scream at you, you get in front of that demon-possessed man and say, I have the image of God. I got news for you. A demon cannot tell the difference between Christ and and the image of Christ. 
it is all the same thing to him. A demon cannot tell the difference between the literal Jesus who sits on the right hand of God and somebody that is operating in the image of Jesus can't tell the difference. It responds to it the same way. It can't get around it. Sickness cannot tell the difference between Christ all the same thing. Why? Because the same mind has supplied it. It is of the same mind. Its origin is the same. Are you here? The cure for your disease is to get the image of the mind inside of you. That's what Paul said. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the mind, let his mind flood your inner man with light. That light, what is that light he's talking about? Light is the essence of life. When you see light, you say, there is life over there. When you see light, life cannot exist without light. It is the very building block of light. It represents the origin of light. So when he says that your eyes be filled with light, he's saying, let it be filled with life. And that life comes from the intelligence and the mind of God. Are you here, church? Are you catching all this tonight? He is producing an image inside of me, and I am growing day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour. I'll meditate a passage of Scripture until I've read it so many times. I think I can't read it, and i read it one more time, and I may not get anything out of it. And all of a sudden, I might be talking to somebody about something, and guess what happens? That image pops, and there it is, and I see it. The clarity of your image determines your level of authority. The clarity of your image determines the level of your authority. When somebody is not walking in authority, it is because their image is dim. The power of your witness is determined by the strength of your image. Your shout of praise is produced by the strength of your image. And this image comes by revelation, knowledge, something that is revealed to your inner man. Are you here, church? Are you catching all this? He has been protecting your mind, the mind of your spirit, since the time that you got born again. And when you get to heaven, he is going to hold you accountable for whatever you put in that and whatever you did not put into that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I'll give this to you. I'm going to close in just a second. Y'all have been good. I want to give this scripture to you real quick. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to show you this today. The Apostle Paul, in all of his writings, could not give, could not put in writing the revelation that he had. It was too powerful. I Sometimes he, he said in 2 Corinthians 12 that he couldn't give it to you. 
Are you here, church? First Corinthians chapter two and verse number nine says, But as it is written, I have not seen and nor ear has heard, and it has not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. A lot of religious people love to quote this scripture to justify their ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> well, they never get to, that, to verse number 10, which quickly judges them ignorant. It says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. He has revealed them unto us by his spirit. And so we think sometimes that, yeah, he's given to us by his spirit. But what part of us does he reveal them to? He reveals it to the mind of your spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. There is a world going on inside of God right now. The thoughts that he thinks towards you, the things that his spirit has searched is all the thoughts that God is thinking. I'll say this to you. The Holy Spirit is the mind of God. So when it says that the spirit searches all things, yeah, the deep things of God, what it's basically telling you is that the Holy Spirit is the intelligence or the brain of God. Are you here in this church? Uh-uh. Can you tell I'm teaching by the Spirit right now? These are revelatory concepts. That, I mean, you just can't get this. In a, I mean, this is just coming from the Spirit right now. For what man knows the things of a man save the Spirit of man with him? Even so, the things of God no man knows, but the Spirit of God does know him. The part of us that knows is called our mind. So the Holy Spirit is the mind of God. Or it is the mind of Christ. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. This is not talking about the Holy Spirit because he is another being. You have received a reborn nature. That's that born again nature I began talking to you about in the beginning that the Old Testament saints did not. I say it again. They did not have it. They did not have a sanctified, a brand new mind in their spirit whereby they could understand the thoughts of God. But you have a mind in your spirit that can understand the thoughts of God. And look what it says here, that we might know, that we might know. So therefore, that spirit that it just mentioned there is not talking about the Holy Spirit because he's not the one that's going to start doing the knowing. He are, He doesn't have to do the knowing. He is the knowing. He's going to give it to you for you to do the knowing. That you might know the things that are freely given to you of God. They are jewels, treasures. Graces that are given to you. You don't have to earn these things. He says that all the riches of Christ Jesus are available to you. These are the things that you are to set your affection upon. Your desire, your will, your earnest expectation, your ambition. You wake up in the morning. Some people's hearts are reaching for riches. Some people's hearts are reaching to be famous. But if your heart will reach for these things, they'll all follow you. Didn't say set your affection on ambition. Didn't say set your affection on selfishness or set your affection even to arrive into the ministry that you think that you have in God. He's saying set your affection on the things that are above. Or he could say set your affection on those things that are inside of the mind of God and it will all start falling into place. Which things also we speak, not in words that man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. He's the mind of God. He is the classroom teacher. 
Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I used to struggle at this verse. Because I would say comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What does that mean? You are spirit. And you are spiritual. And spiritual things are the thoughts that he thinks to you. So the spirit, who is the Holy Ghost, who is the mind of God, takes a spiritual thing and transfers it to your spirit. And now you have a spiritual thing whereby you can compare the next spiritual thing that he gives to you. So you are consistently taking the spiritual things that he gives to you and comparing them to the last spiritual thing that he gave to you and seeing how it's matching up and it is erecting to you the image of God. Are you here, church? And then it says here, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He's saying, can any man instruct God? No. But we have the mind of God, which means he can instruct us. And he is, and he will, and he's never going to stop instructing us. So he's actually writing this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in context because he's really using it as a rebuke to smash all the teachers that came into the church at Corinth and wanted to be puffy among them and say that I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow this guy and I follow that guy. And they were using it as a means of contention to say, hey, we're following a better teacher. And what Apostle Paul was doing in his mind was boiling all down that it doesn't matter if Apollos or Paul or Peter or Jesus himself was teaching. Guess what? They all were operating and coming from the same mind in that is the mind of God who is the Holy Spirit. Even when Jesus walked and talked, he was still a man and he needed intelligence to help him teach what he was going to teach. He still needed things to be revealed to him. He still had to learn the rabbinical law. He still had to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. He could not have done his ministry without the fullness of the Spirit. And part of that was the Spirit being a teacher among them. So guess what he's saying? He even had to tap into the mind of the Spirit while he was walking the earth. Even though he was God, he needed the Holy Spirit. And here we are thinking that we don't need the Holy Ghost in our ministry. That's why I say get them full of the Holy Ghost. Get them baptized in the Spirit. Because, you know, like I said yesterday, you can always tell when someone is teaching without the Spirit of God. It's like trying to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no peanut butter. It's just a word sandwich with no spirit on it. And Paul boils it down and says here, Therefore let no man glory in man. 321 of 1 Corinthians. He says, For all things are yours. Sometimes preachers wrap up revelations like they're commodities that you can only get if you sow a certain seed into their ministry. Or if you sit in their school and they, we're going to have you come down here and receive this impartation. We're going to have you come down here and receive. I believe in impartation, but I believe that that supernatural comes by the Spirit. Not every preacher that's saying you're going to get impartation from them is really giving you impartation. He said all things are yours. There's no secret that this preacher has that you can't access if you'll just tap into the mind. Because guess what? He's as frail and feeble as you are. It's yours for the taking. All you have to do is partner with the Holy Ghost. And he will introduce. See, the Holy Ghost. And, you know, 
Part is just praying in tongues. I pray in tongues all the time. I pray in tongues. I pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I mean, just two hours a day, an hour a day, six hours a day. Just last week, I prayed in tongues. It had nothing to do one day. It was a Memorial Day. I was sitting around, standing at the wall. I said, I might as well pray out the mystery of everything. Christ is in me, to me, and through me. The hope of glory. I started praying out the mystery of Christ. And all of a sudden, those mysteries that you pray out in mystery form, you're praying out the mystery of Christ Jesus. It says, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out the mystery of God. And the mysteries begin to go up, and they go up, and he turns them around, and he doesn't send them back down to you mysteries because they're mysteries to you they're not mysteries to god he knows what you're praying they're mysteries to you because you don't know what you're praying but guess what he does you're praying them up in the mind of god the intelligence he sends them back down to you in the form of an image which is revelation knowledge that's why when you pray in the holy ghost images are going to start flashing before you maybe not while you're praying but sooner or later those images are going to come back to you in the form of revelation knowledge and you go from glory to glory You should never prevent anyone from praying in tongues, even inside a church service. If you're praying privately in tongues, you're not trying to give a message to the people. See, tongues is like a language. It's like English. I can come in here in English, and we're all doing something and praying in a prayer meeting. I can sit there and go, thank you, Jesus. I love you. I praise you. I'm not interrupting nobody. It's me and God talking. I'm not getting up there going, hey, everybody, thank you, Jesus. Glory to his holy name. Hey, everybody, look at me. The Lord said this, the Lord. Now I'm trying to address you. It's not public. But when I am doing it myself, thank you, Jesus, I worship you. It's beautiful. It's between me and God. Well, you can come in and take out your prayer language and say, It's between you and him. <laughs> the public use of tongues is when I stand up there, give a message in tongues, and there's no one there to interpret it. So you pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Spirit. Just be orderly with it like you are with the English tongue and there's going to be no problems. So you're praying in the Holy Ghost and praying out those mysteries and they're coming back to you. It's revelation knowledge. Are you thankful for the mind of God? Protect that mind in you. Protect that image. Stand to your feet tonight. Lift your hands to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Thank you for listening. For more information about Chris Palmer and Chris Palmer Ministries, visit us on the web at www.chrispalmerministries.com or call us at 1-866-9808. And remember, walk in the Spirit in these last days.